Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, it's the last weekend where we look forward to a football game for a long time. Are you excited for the big game this weekend? I like that I asked you before the show started whether or not you watched the game last night because you're so used to asking me about Thursday night football and you had to stop and think for a second whether or not you watched it. I'm like, what did I watch last night? Oh, I watched the Flyers and the Sixers. Oh, or no, I watched the Sixers last night. Okay, yeah, that's right. There we go. <laughs> Glad I so, so, so do you think the amount of snacks purchased will be up or down this year? Well, I mean, I think people are still going to be watching the game. Yeah just be watching on their own or at smaller parties so one hopes oh yeah. I, from the nfl I, and the advertisers i hope they're purchasing snacks it was almost thrown off course though by a barber jeff <laughs> how does that happen i really don't know i said this to you beforehand i guess i'll say it again i don't i don't really understand the the urgency to getting a haircut the fact is is that the sport requires you to wear a helmet so how good does your hair need to look? I even, even if you win the game, here's what happens when you win the game. You take your helmet off, your hair is matted down anyway, and then they give you a championship hat, which everybody is then wearing. So what's the urge? Why would you risk the chance to win your ultimate prize to get a haircut? Look, I'm a guy who gets a haircut all, all, the, all the time. So you're, but I- just... and, and, and by the way, look, it's not, you, you could, you should be using the Floby <laughs> for, and for people who don't know what that is, you attach it to your vacuum cleaner. It pulls your hair up and it cuts it. I didn't realize I was going to get you so worked up over a haircut. I texted you earlier the week, the story, and you didn't reply. So I'm like, oh, maybe he's not interested in it. And all of a sudden I like <laughs> drop it at the start of the show and it's like, boom, here we go. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I mean, you made it this far. Why are you going to take risks now? Like everybody should have like, I'm, I'm sure that the Buccaneers did not get their haircut done. I'm sure that Tom Brady walked in and, and said to everybody, look, nobody talked to anybody this week. Everybody create your own little bubble. We just have to get through this weekend. Speaking of this week, you have a fan. I, I do not like the week in between the Super Bowl. I particularly don't like the week in between the Super Bowl when there really isn't anything to cover because the teams aren't flying in because of protocols until like a day and a half before the game anyway. Yeah, yeah you almost you almost kind of forget about it, you know, and, and, and on top of that, there was no Pro Bowl this year unless you actually wanted to watch them play Madden Video game Pro, Pro Bowl, which, you know, you're you're the ratings guy. What were the what were the ratings on that? I don't know, but I watched a little bit of it. Go ahead. Get Jeff. out. You did not. I saw a little bit of the stream and trash talking. Are you kidding me? Now, did the players play in like the day play as themselves or was it just like some teenage kids really. in their basements? I mean, I didn't watch it that closely, but they were all up in the corners trash talking to each other. It was kind of entertaining. It's well, not no, no, no. Hold on. Were, were the actual players trash talking as themselves or was it the teenager pressing the buttons trash talking in the corner and above? It was the players playing each other. I, I didn't see them playing teenagers. They may have, but I didn't see that part of it. I only saw like a little bit of it. Oh, so you're telling me like Stefan Diggs would play as like the AFC or something yes. like that? Of a, a team, something oh. like that. Well, just in case you're wondering, that didn't make it any more interesting for me. 
I didn't think that you would really be their target audience. Frankly. <laughs> so, I wasn't really thinking. Well, well, now your mission is to find out how big a ratings bonanza that is. So we can make sure that we plunk down enough money to, to advertise on next year's virtual Pro Bowl. If people end up watching that, uh, I will bring that back up. <laughs> Why don't you bring on our guest and we'll talk a little more football. Well, it's it's the big game weekend, and, and what better person to have on than NFL Hall of Famer Ken Houston? Ken, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So, so Ken, you're here because we want to talk to you about gridiron grades, but we have a couple questions. We wanted to talk to you about your journey, but but tomorrow is the day that the NFL announces the next class for its Hall of Fame. So having yeah. you on, we had to ask you, what was it like for you to get that call to find out that you were going to be enshrined in Canton? You know, what happened was uh, the day that I got inducted, the challenger exploded. And so I'm home, I'm, I'm home waiting, uh, you know, not on the challenger explosion, but waiting on this announcement from the NFL and I'm, and all of a sudden the, the the TV people left the house, and everybody had gone to East Texas, which is where I'm from, because the the uh, challenger had gone down over that part of East Texas, and so it was really really bittersweet because at at that time it was a lot more important life was more important than anything else, and so now that I look back on it, I can always identify with that. And knowing that I was a part of that whole scenario, and that's how important things were taken on in that one moment in time. You know, I, I also can. I read the presenter speech in your speech for the Hall of Fame, and Wally Lim was your presenter, and he talked about in 1967 your rookie season uh, that he was told by another coach that he should go talk to you because you were ready to go home. What was yeah. it about Wally Lim and that moment and, and that period of time uh, that in any way influenced you to end up becoming the player and the person that you became? Well, it, it was the individual because, you know, you would assume it's like kids in your family. You think that they would all want to play football. Football is a hard job. You know, you get hit, you get hurt, and you have to show up. And I remember I had gotten injured. Uh, we played in San Antonio. I'd gotten injured. I had dislocated my big toe. And I mean, I was in pain. I remember we had, a, I think, a 12-pack of Cokes. I tell my wife all the time. We had a Volkswagen, uh, green, and it was double green. Anyway, we drove this Volkswagen home, and my toe was unbelievably sore. And as a matter of fact, I played the whole year in a shoe that was a half size larger so that I could actually get away from some of the pain on the field. And uh, and, and to have Wally uh, back me up behind that and actually call my wife and tell her, you know, I need to come to training camp because he thought I had a chance to make the team. It was something that was always bittersweet. You, know, you were drafted in the 1967 draft, which was the first joint draft between the AFL and the NFL. What was it like to be playing through and get drafted through that merger? I had seen you say that the AFL was a wild bunch because we were totally different from the NFL. What was that all like? 
<laughs> well, it, it was like we were not going to make it home overnight. <laughs> I mean, we, we were, you're talking about a wild bunch. I, I, don't, I don't know how we made anything. You know, we had, had some great players. I remember some guys that could really, really, really like George Webster and Pete Barnes. And I mean, people that could really play football. I mean, it, it's like, not only can I play football, I will hurt you, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't, we, we didn't believe what they told us. Uh, we thought that we were, uh, we, our, our objective to play football was to actually get out there and not really hurt somebody, but take their job. And the way you took their job, you hurt them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so we thought that we, we could take your job. And we did, and there were some guys that could really play. So we we enjoy, and, and, and not when I I laugh at this because I'm not being negative. But the jobs on the line, but we didn't realize jobs were on the line. I think my first contract was fourteen thousand dollars, and maybe it's from Fort Bryan. Always comes back to the pork rinds, which we'll get to in a little bit. You know, you mentioned that it was fourteen thousand dollars. In addition to that job, I was amazed. You sang in the church choir on Sundays before the games with the Oilers. Yes, what was that? Yes. What, what, what happened was I, was I was brought up in East Texas in, in the church, and we were brought up in the church. I mean, you had before you did anything, you had to go to church on Sunday. And so I had that in, in the, back, the back of my mind. Uh, I would go, and I would sing in the church choir, go to the field, uh, to go to the dome at the time, and we would go in and we were at the church and we had uh, we had a minister and he would talk about how important it was to have God in your life. And so I, 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 I grew up like that then and, and I'm, I'm still like that now. There are things right now that have just had other, um, I guess, other bases of importance and it was what my parents taught me. And because of the, the experience I had on both outcomes, I know it worked. You, know, you mentioned the dome going to it. The Astrodome had, had just opened. What was it like to, to move into that stadium in 68 with the Oilers? The dome was, a, it was a one huge, uh, huge place. And it, it seemed like you could play forever in the dome. You know, it, it, it's like, uh, it, it, was, it was an experience like no other. Uh, you know, it, it was just, it was playing like playing in a big open building. Uh, guys enjoyed it. Uh, it was, it was open. Uh, all the guys, you know, we, we laughed and had a lot of fun doing it. But in the end, uh, I, I looked at the dome last week, I think it was, and I was wondering why they couldn't coexist now because it is so much space there between the old Astrodome. And the new Astrodome and the people, the, 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 the games they played there, and they're all the same. And I think the people enjoyed it. You know, I mean, it was a lot, a lot of work to be done, but uh, we, we enjoyed playing there. Well, Ken, I think one of the reasons that you enjoyed playing so much is, is for a defensive guy, you found the end zone an incredible number of times. In, in 1971, you became the first and only defensive player in NFL history to score five touchdowns in a single season. What was it about you that you ended up in the end zone as a defensive player so often? Well, you know, I, I was, believe it or not, I was a lineman and a middle linebacker. And for me to score a touchdown was just kind of like, what, what am I doing here? 
And I remember we played the uh, uh, oh San, the San Diego Chargers, and I had back to back touchdowns. I mean, he threw a uh, Hale threw a pass, I intercepted, ran for a touchdown. He threw another pass, I intercepted the pass, ran for a touchdown. And so I just felt like once that ball was in the air, it was mine to at least try to intercept. And we had all our guys believed in that, you know. Uh, at that time, uh, the game was still pretty wild. You know, you could be hitting guys after the ball and stuff like that. I don't mean after the ball in a neg- from a negative standpoint, but we just felt like it was it was ours to do what we wanted to do with. And I still have to pinch myself to, to go back and say, did you actually do that? It's, it all it almost it was two different people, and 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 that's what it amounts to. Because I I think about it now and I laugh about it. And it was almost like when you when you see a Super Bowl preview now, you know you see these guys did this and you, guys did that. And I remember having like 49 interceptions, you know, and had dropped one or two on the way to the end zone. So uh, I, I look at it now, but it was almost as if someone else did it. You know, Ken, you talked about how your first contract was $14,000 and threw in that it might be in addition <laughs> to some pork rinds. You know, as as great as the NFL was back then, as great players like you, there's a reason that you're involved and the reason that you wanted to come on was because of Pork Rind Appreciation Day and, and what you're doing with Gridiron Greats. Can you tell us how you got involved with Gridiron Greats and, and how we all can get involved in that? One, one thing for sure. Without Mike Dichter, it wouldn't have happened. Without Mike Dichter, it wouldn't have happened. And Dicta had the fortitude to make these things grow, or go. Uh, Gridiron Great got involved in it. I've been involved with them a couple of years now, and it's almost like you're living a dream. You know, when you when you when we, if, we, if somebody would look at us now and say, "What is he talking about?" Pork rind, you know. <laughs> and then you eat these pork rind, and you find yourself sending off pouring for them. You also have an opportunity to win like $5,000. They, I, I had an opportunity to go to their plant and uh, see how they make these things. And it was unbelievable. And, and, and the see how, and I'm not just trying to sell a program. I'm trying to tell you these things taste great. So if you haven't had an opportunity to get in and involve yourself with them, taste one, taste one. And you will find yourself ordering for these You'll find yourself telling people, you know, how uh, healthy they are because they've gone a, a long way into getting them up to what they need to be for the health and the heart and stuff like that. And then the thing that you can't get away from, and I, and I hope it never happens, is Mike Dicta because he has an awful lot to do uh, with uh, what has been done. And I'm sure that it's probably a thing that wouldn't have been done without Mike and the fortitude that he had. You know, I, I saw you say that you played football, but you never really became a football player. You wanted to be a teacher. And right. In retirement, you were able to coach and, and be a guidance counselor for, for children in hospitals. Uh, what is it for you about working and giving back? You, you know, you won the Allen Page Community Service Award when you played and clearly after your career, you've gotten to fill, fulfill that part of your, your dreams. What is it about that that's so special for you? Well, I'll show you how you can separate the two. 
Uh, there's so many guys that we, we really didn't understand exactly what we were doing. Uh, the Hall of Fame was still relatively new. So you may have had an opportunity to meet these guys and you knew you knew they were real people. It wasn't anything that was given. This guy got into the Hall of Fame because he had either all these interceptions, all these touchdowns, or he could hit you harder than anybody else, make you not want to play the game because you felt like this was his, his position. You know, and so as a result, you see, and, I, and it's not a negative anymore, but you see a lot of guys who think that they are actually supposed to be in the Hall of Fame. The reason you are supposed to be in the Hall of Fame is because you have the numbers and you put in the time and did the job that you were supposed to and you allowed other people to cheer you on per se. Or you know that you could, if I can hit you harder than you can hit me, then you deserve to be in that spot. And that's what happened then. They would hit you harder than you than you hit them. And so you felt like you not, not that you wanted to be in the Hall of Fame. You just deserve like that was your spot. So they gave you an opportunity to win your spot. And that's what the Hall of Fame is. You know, Ken, you talked about who hits who harder. I got to ask you, as a guy on defense, who was the guy who hit you hardest on offense? Who was the guy that you did not want to tackle? Oh boy, you had a lot of good ones, but the number one, the number one, I guess, guy that uh, was in my face was Earl Campbell. The, the, the minute I knew, or the minute I hit Earl, uh, prior to then it was Jim. Brown. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a whole bunch of guys with a whole huge list that was going to hit you harder than the other guy. You knew it was one or two guys that you didn't want to hit you. Period. And so when you when you come down to an Earl Campbell or a Jim Brown or you know people like that, even a, a Mike Dixon, his name keeps keeps jumping up. Mike was one of the most pure tight ends in the game, and it doesn't it didn't matter whether he's going to hit you or not. He's going to hit you, period. And so what you had to do is you had to say that you know I'm going to hit Mike harder, and he's going to hit me, and maybe in the end I might be the guy. And so as a result, it worked out like that. It was. It wasn't any guesswork. If he could make me bleed, I was going to bleed. If I could make him bleed, he was probably going to bleed. And that's how we played the game. Well, you, you mentioned Earl Campbell and you mentioned Mike Ditka. And, and, you know, we've talked a little bit about the gridiron greats. Those guys have had a lot of injuries as a result of football that they've had to deal with afterwards. And, and the, the Players Association and the league didn't really take care of players the way that they are taking care of now. Um, what's it like to have not just Ditka, as you mentioned, but other players kind of standing up for, for the old guard? Uh, it's great. I don't know if you know my story. I've had two bouts with cancer. As a matter of fact, uh, I just got out of the hospital last week, and I was in the hospital four and a half weeks prior to that. So I know what it is to have cancer firsthand when there is no hope or no help other than God. And uh, and so the, to watch the people outside of the football world work for you just to try to pull you back up to what they call a level playing field. And so, you know, when you when you look at it like that, and, and then I'm t- other than God, there's no hope. There's no hope. And, and to, today, this day, I just got to having therapy where they could just try to pull your body back together where you would have 
kept enough just to be able to hold a conversation and knowing that all the other people that are out there that are using this therapy and the help that the league has decided to give, that the mics have decided to give, that the people even in the poor grind industry has decided to give. You know, you, you might think it's the one thing, but without that particular joke or without that particular boost, it you you're looking at something that's almost impossible. So, you know, we talk about it, we don't we, we laugh about it, but we understand the realness of this situation. Well, and you clearly do understand the realness and we, we wish you the best of health with everything and, and it's Ken, are you still there? Hello? Yeah, so uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened with Jason, but but what he was saying is 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 kind of the way I feel too. Is Ken, we we do wish you the best of of luck and best of health. We love having you on. Uh, hope we can have you on again uh, someday soon. And uh, hey, can listen, you tell us where you. can you tell us where we can help people for with gridiron grades? Well, they have they have this one thing called post, uh, program appreciation day. And it's on the biggest day of, of the year, Super Bowl Sunday, which is coming up very quickly. Um, you can the win. The fans can actually go in, and they don't have to. They can sign up and win five thousand dollars. This will help. Good uh, and great assistance fund. Uh, this is through Coach Mike Dicker. Um, fans can win by visiting program.com. Uh, watch us tell our story from uh, the game to win $5,000 and a year of program. You'll also have an opportunity to enter to win an interview with the gridiron great. And I hopefully I'm that guy because I feel pretty strong right now. And you got Jack Youngblood, Andre Reed, Billy White Shoes, Icky Woods of all people, Reggie Kelly. You know, you got uh, Coach Mike Dexter. And, you know, if you notice one thing about Mike, you can't call Mike Mike without calling him coach. So we all have that tremendous amount of respect. So this is something that uh, uh, poorgrind.com or poorgrind appreciation day has been really, really good. And hopefully it'll only grow better. Well, Ken, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, hopefully you have fun watching the, the big game this weekend and hopefully we can uh, have you on again sometime soon. Thank you so for, uh, thank you so much and go to southernrecipe.com. And let's, let's see if we can talk about it after this is over. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, Mike, let's uh, head to a commercial. When we come back, uh, we're going to have a uh, head coach of the Delaware Bluecoats, the Sixers G League affiliate, Connor Johnson. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, 
They're proud. The Marines. Women Heart is in a race to save lives. Heart disease is the number one killer of women. It's 80% preventable if you know the facts. Millions of women are living with or at risk of different types of heart disease, like AFib, which is a type of irregular heartbeat. It affects both women and men, but women with AFib have a higher risk of stroke and death than men. Get educated. See your doctor. Know the facts. Diet and exercise are key to staying healthy. Know the risks. Women Heart does something really unique, solely focusing on women and providing peer-to-peer support. To win this race, we all have to do it together. Our hearts beat as one. To learn more, visit womenheart.org. I guess we're back. I don't even know. We lost Jason somewhere. He just kind of disappeared. Jason, I'm you here. back? Yeah, I'm not sure what happened, but I believe he is on the phone with us now. Jason, you there? I'm on the phone. You know, it's really bad when you're doing a remote show on Zoom and everything turns off your computer, your monitor, your everything. I have no idea what happened there. Sorry about that. <laughs> so I guess the question is, how am I still on? And and what, how disappointed is everyone that I'm I'm the one that's still on? Well, I think those are two separate. I think those are two completely separate questions right now. Um, I don't know how you're still on the magic of Zoom, uh, and I I don't know. I'm not going to touch anything on my computer because I don't want to disconnect you. (laughs) You got to love technology. It just you know we've all kind of learned to live with technology, but for some reason it, it isn't getting any better. Seems, you want to talk about like... having a panic attack when I think I thought I took the whole show down. <laughs> I thought that you were off the air and everything disconnected. I texted you guys really fast. I'm like, are oh, we still that, on the air? That was such that was such a softball, and I'm just gonna let it go. Yes, I know. Well, I mean, I take the show down anyway, generally. Um, but I'm sorry to end such a good interview on such a bad technology fail. Um, no, actually, what a it got better once, once you fell off. It actually got much better. Yeah, do you have a lot more to say? He got into it. He got into it more with you about everything. Didn't like my questions. He was just happy not to talk to you. He seemed seemed a lot more comfortable once you weren't there asking questions. No, we we did fine. So, Jason, um, you've been uh, watching a little bit of uh, hockey lately when there are games. What are your thoughts so far on what's been going on with the Flyers? Well, they're a soft 7-2-2. I mean, you can't argue with the record, but they've got some concerns that need to be fixed up. They should have won the game against Boston the other night. They were up 3-1, lost it 4-3 in overtime. Now, it doesn't help when you commit three penalties over the final eight minutes and give up the lead uh, and lose the game. You know, they've struggled against Boston. They're 0-1-2. They've allowed nine third-period goals to Boston and have cost up a pair of two-goal leads. In their other eight games, they've given up to combine six third-period goals. You know, they're, they're taking the fewest shots in the NHL per game at 23.7. They're allowing the third most shots, and they're turning the fifth most power plays. That is not a recipe for success. Now, at the same time, they're 7-2-2 two and, two and in second place. So you I, can't I, I argue with the record. I love how you call record. it a soft 7-2-2. Two two. Apparently, you never heard, you know, Denny Green's speech about, uh, you know, their record is what they thought it was. Uh, I, I, it, is, at this, it is what it is. 
I know. I, I look, I'm not particularly worried about the offense. I'm more worried about the defense, but we do have our resident expert, Mike, uh, here. Mike, when I look at the defense, um, my concern is not that Carter Hart has somehow uh, taken a step back. It's that the people in front of him are not as good as they were last year. What are you seeing? So if I would say I'm not so much worried about Carter Hart taking a step back. I mean, you're allowing 30-some shots a game. Goals are obviously going to go in. I mean, they're not going to stop every puck. But, yes, they're young defense right now. The loss of Matt Niskin is deafening or blinding, I guess you want to say, right now. Um, and it was unexpected to see him kind of just up and retire like that last year. They did bring Eric Gustafson in. Was that an upgrade? No. Uh, no. Um, no. Not at all. God. But uh, I think he may is, is one man. guy is is just Niskanen retiring and not replacing him. Is that going to be what holds them back from being the team that they were at the end of last season that finished with the best record in the East? I'll say no because I love the fact of AV behind the bench and he can the adjustments on the fly. I mean, look what he did the other night in benching TK. I mean. A guy who's going to know, knows how to push buttons of these guys. He did it last year with Jake. And you look at the start he's off to, and JVR's off to a great start. It's, uh, it's frustrating to see the struggles the defense is having, but you also have to go through your growing pains. And being a young team that they are, I think it's a matter of just kind of digging in here and making the adjustments that they have to make and, and being able to push forward and work through the struggles that they're having right now. Don't, Jeff, don't you love how he, like, you know, JVR and Jake and – TK. I wish I could see your face on the Zoom as he drops all those nicknames and, and initials for the guys. You're probably sitting there rolling your eyes going, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, I just don't know. You know, it used to be like, you know, they'd add something like er, e, just at the end of someone's name, and that was what they referred to the players as. Now we're, now we're not, we're just going to cut out names completely, and we're just going to go by initials. What's up with that, man? I don't know if it's a Philly slang thing and just being around the team and seeing these guys as long as I have. And I don't know. It's just, it, I think it's just easier rolling off the tongue and, and just kind of rolling with the flow of it. Is, is, is this whole thing, is, is this the reason that Carson Wentz wants out of Philly? Is no, Carson Wentz wants out of Philly it, it, because the Eagles front office is a mess. No, you think it's made me – have you started calling him CW? Like, is there a whole thing and now he's all upset that this is confusing? No, just the Wentz like wagon. Network? Yeah, just the Wentz wagon that we went with. Look, you, you mentioned you you mentioned Carson Wentz. Do you buy into the reports that teams are calling and asking about him? Yes, I'm sure. Look, if you're a good general manager, you're asking the questions. But the the real question that you have to ask if you're a GM is to Carson Wentz directly. I mean, you and I have talked about this for years about whether or not Carson Wentz has a thick skin. I don't. I've never thought he did. I thought he didn't went back in the day when when Nick Foles was here. Um, but I think we got to put that aside. We'll deal with some football later on if we have time. And r- right now we're going to bring in a guy, uh, Connor Johnson, the head coach of the Delaware Blue Coats, the Sixers G League affiliate. Connor, calling us from the bubble. How you doing? I'm doing good, fellas. Can't complain. How about you two? We're doing well, although Jason got kicked off the air a couple minutes ago. So, so if he doesn't get to ask questions, it's much like when we tried out for the team a couple of years ago, and after after just the warm ups, Jason kind of disappeared. Yeah, technology was not my friend. It's performed about as well as I did on the practice court that day for you. We had the world's been a lot different, you know, these last couple of months. But one of the things we were robbed of was watching you guys run the pick and roll at our tryouts. So, you know, what are we going to do? 
You know, look, we'll try when, to get when back I to tried to run year. that pick and roll, I believe you grabbed me by my shirt collar. <laughs> <laughs> We're all there. What, We're all there. So, what's so, it been like? So, so, Connor, what's it? You're you're now in the bubble down in Disney, uh, much like what was going on for the NBA last season. And what has it been like in the short term being down there? And what did you learn from the Sixers and the experience of the NBA that you're being able to implement in this situation? Yeah, it's been it's been great so far. We've been here about ten days. We uh, we're, we're on our fifth day of practice. So the first five days we got here, we were quarantined in our rooms and just getting tested every day. The the G League and the NBA have done a great job setting this up in a in a safe way and also a way that I think makes the players feel very comfortable. But like you guys are saying, a lot of this is very similar to what the NBA had. And so we've been we've gotten a lot of good direction and information from our, our NBA counterparts who, who were here and spent a lot of time when they had, had their bubble and in the summer and just what to expect and how to make the most of it and how to kind of utilize the player's time in the best way so that they're comfortable and that they're, they're healthy and ready to play their best. So we've tried to take all that information and, and put it together and, and kind of learn from a, some of their mistakes and highlight some of their successes so that our guys who have now been here for, for 10 days are, I think, feeling really good. I think they're feeling comfortable. They're getting their legs back after a lot of time of not playing in the, the two week lead up. And so, being safe and smart about how to get them as healthy as possible, as fresh as possible, in the best possible shape that they can be in by the time our games start on the end of next week. You know, having the situation with the bubble, how do you not just manage the time on the court and in practice, but manage the time off the court so that the guys don't get in their own heads or just get stuck in their room and get bored? What, do you, what are you guys doing as a team? Yeah, we have a lot of team activities, team meals, getting the guys to get outside. I mean, we're we're lucky to to escape the um the, the Philadelphia Delaware uh, on winter for a little bit and get to the 70 degrees here. I think that's been a bit of breath of, of fresh air. I think that also there's a lot of gym time, so a lot of this is just getting them back as quick as possible to the level that they might have been playing before. So that's getting them shots at night. That's getting them individual workouts. There's a lot of gym access that we have in our team. Our team, I think, is, has been designed well with, with good guys that, that want to play and that, that want to get better. So they've been dying to get in the gym, and we've been able to, to meet those needs. Wait, Coach, you said that they got away from the, the winter weather up here. Um, you're in Disney. They can create anything. You haven't been able to get Disney to, to make some snow so you can at, at least let them shovel? I don't know if anyone's been asking for that. That might be the issue. I think maybe they could do it, but a lot of people know. I'm not sure who's signing up for that right away. Uh, Coach, I read that Shake Milton once said about you, he creates a competitive atmosphere. Sometimes you butt heads, but because you want to win, whatever drill is happening and he's going to have some type of punishment. For me, it raised the stakes to another level. At the end of the day, he makes it fun for you and he really cares about you. What, what is it like to have somebody like Shake Milton, who's now made it into the NBA the way he has, learn from you and, and then kind of credit you for his development? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we, we couldn't think highly enough of Shake. And I think Shake, Shake is, is kind to say those things. I think he's had a, a, a lot of his success rides on his shoulders and the way that he works and what he's put himself through and his, the just maturity and skills that he's brought to it. But 
I think what he's hitting on the nail is what we're trying to do down here is, is create a competitive environment that brings the best out of our guys and making every drill something that, that they want to win, that they need to win to develop that competitiveness in addition to the skills that, that they need in order to to, to, to uh, really kind of thrive and survive at the next level. And so Jake is one that is near and dear to, to the Blue Coats hearts. He's going to be a favorite for a long time. I love watching the Sixers have success with Ben and Joel and Tobias, but it is definitely not the same as a great Shake Milton game. That that really nothing fires me up quite like that. So it's good to see him playing so well, and I'm I'm looking forward to watching him just have a long successful NBA career. And he's 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 a great example of what the G League should be. You know, we got him Norvell Pell is a guy that you guys have seen play before, and he just got kind of called up in a roster spot with the Nets. And it's good to see some of our guys really starting to break through and have more long-term success than just kind of a fly-by-night stay in the NBA. Well, that's it. The G League has now become a, a, a source of, of good players and great players that are coming from there and going to the NBA. It's not just it's not just a secondary league. And, and you have a responsibility to kind of help those guys develop and do what they need to do to get to the next level. Um, the G League isn't just about developing players, though. It's also about developing coaches and GMs. You know, you, you've seen that. Elton Brand went from the GM of your team to the GM right. of the Sixers. Uh, what's it like to see the development of not just the players, but the front office and coaches like yourself? I think there's, like you're hitting on, there's a lot of good examples of people who have, have the G League has been, or the D League as even was before, has been a instrumental part of their careers i think i'm hoping it's an instrumental part of mine but it's a great opportunity to 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 learn to to have a lot of responsibility that more responsibility than you might have at the higher level and then kind of be able to to learn from your mistakes and improve in that way so uh, it is great to see just around the league how many successful nba people have had time in the g league the g league is has stats now about how it's some 46 percent some high high number almost half of current NBA players have spent some time in the G league. So I think that it's, it's getting a lot, it's fair share of respect. And the other aspect is I think this bubble right here will be the most talented G league we've ever seen that there's less teams. Some teams chose to opt out. So the players have been kind of condensed into a fewer amount of teams with less opportunity overseas and people, players thinking that there's a higher chance of call up given the current situation of the NBA there's a lot of great talent in the G league. And I think there's a lot of good options for these NBA teams. So I, I expect a high number uh, of call-ups from this current group that's playing down in Orlando. Look, obviously you're not going to tell us who your favorites are on this team, but for, for people that, that haven't had a chance to study the roster yet, who are the players that, that you've, you've looked at and you're just excited about and that we should all be looking forward to as the season starts next week? Yeah, I think the the obvious two so far are are two ways. Our two ways have had a history of success, and, and with the Sixers, Shake being one of them, Norvell being another. So that's Paul Reed and Rajon Tucker. Paul Reed's a rookie out of DePaul. Uh, he got to play some some significant minutes in that Denver Nuggets Sixers game when the Sixers were pretty shorthanded. Um, he's an, an energy high motor four five who uh, brings a lot of natural athletic ability and size and length and kind of refining his, his skill set to, to fit the NBA game will be one of our priorities. And then our other two who we just signed is, or the Sixers just signed rather, is Rajon Tucker. And he's a 
big athlete built like a linebacker, above the rim player who should, should fit naturally in a three and D role. So those two are kind of the um, the the six or two ways that will be playing for us. I think in general, our, our general manager Matt Lilly's done a great job rounding out this roster with a lot of talent. You look at our team of our 10 G League players, seven or eight have already played in the NBA. So for a lot of them, it's not even they've they've had that taste of success before, but now it's about what can they do to really stick and have some long-term success. So I'm, I'm happy with the roster. Haven't played yet, so we're undefeated thus far. So no one's got any complaints at this time of year, but I look forward to, to really getting going. You know, a lot a lot of the players have to get used to the the traveling. It's it's not as easy as people think. It, you know, it's a lot of on the road. Although when you're at home, everybody loves watching you guys. When you're in Delaware, you're now in one place. How does that help with the conditioning of the players and and kind of keeping them fresh? Yeah, I think it should help a lot. I, I mean, sitting in an airport for a couple hours flying out the cannon can really take the energy out of out of even like our youngest, freshest players. So I think the fact that they will be in one location, the fact that there's no travel, there's no, there's no logistical fatigue, all their focus can be on basketball, I think is a huge, it's a huge win for, for us. And then the other, the other part is they've, they've gone through a mild bit of adversity just with how much, it, what it took to get here. That I think the sitting in your room all day with nothing to do, a couple of Zoom workouts with our strength coach and, can can fatigue them to some bit and kind of kind of be a rough thing to get through, but it looks like that's behind us. Our guys are healthy and in great shape and in good spirits. And I think staying in one location down in Orlando in a warm location where they'll get to be outside and just locked in on basketball is going to be very healthy for their development. You know, you know, we're all rooting for you, but we are a little bit jealous of the fact that you keep talking about the warm weather and we just keep getting snow. <laughs> There's, I mean, there's, there's more basketball to it than just, than just that, but it cannot escape our minds, you know. Well, well, coach, look, we look forward to, to catching up with you during the season in the bubble. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing the blue coats bring home a championship. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no, great to talk with you guys. Appreciate it. Take care. So Jason. Next time I'll participate in the interview. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That that it's, was it's hard. that I was your pun. To... No, look, we 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 decided that was your punishment for 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 not making it all the way through the tryout. For people that haven't <laughs> followed us for for the length of our show and are, are new to it, uh, Jason and I actually tried out for the blue cup. The the G League has often has tryouts um, to, for a couple spots, and Jason and I decided to go see what it was like to try out. Uh, and it was something. It's one of the the most fun, difficult experiences I've ever had. The physicalness of of what goes on. You learn to appreciate the players in a whole new way, and the coaches. Uh, I learned how how smart Connor Johnson is, how intense he is, uh, and how much of a teacher he is. Because being able to teach me to run a play was was probably <laughs> an accomplishment he was hoping not to have to make. But Jason, Jason uh, sure. didn't make it all the way through. So, you know what? This this was your benching. I'm pretty sure I was just invited for comic relief anyway. But that's okay. <laughs> you know, but, we all have our stress in life. Clearly, mine's not technology today. So I got to find something going. <laughs> yeah, but but seriously, think about it. I mean, didn't you learn a lot? You, you, you've watched sports all your life, 
we all know how much you love the game of basketball and love sports. Did it give you a different appreciation to be out there Absolutely. with guys? I mean, these these were guys who there were there were guys from Australia who came in for this from different countries, and this was them pursuing their dream. And and yeah, we were playing bad. against these guys, and and it the level of intensity and the level of passion for for guys that you know this is not first round picks. This was guys that are you know, have been playing basketball their whole lives, but, and this may have been their last chance. Yeah. I almost felt bad, like taking up somebody's spot with all that everybody was doing. By the way, I noticed you conveniently mentioned how poorly I performed. You, you left out that you got dunked on. There is video of that. It happened. Yeah. But I got, so, I, I got dunked on in group one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do? You want to talk and, a little And a couple pictures? guys did refer to me as, as, as three and D without the three. So <laughs> <laughs> at least you got a D that's, that's, <laughs> that may have been my grade. Actually, <laughs> I kept thinking, Oh, they were saying I have good, I'm playing good defense. It turns out that if they were on an A through F system, it was probably, I just got a D. You, you want to keep it talking basketball and talking Sixers? I do. Well, I mean, we had, we had a game last night. I was a little perplexed, but let, give me your thoughts on, on what it was like for the Sixers in that game playing, you know, a little shorthanded, but not as shorthanded as the, as the, um, as Portland was. Well, you, you asked me my level of concern and it's hard to have a very high level of concern when you've won four in a row and are coming off a back to back. But I mean, the shooting was just not there yet last night. The, the energy was not there and Bede put up 25 points in the second quarter and the rest of the team put up four points. They should have been able to beat the Blazers. They were without Damian Lillard. They were without C.J. McCollum. They were without like six players. Nurk the Sixers Nurkic did not too. have. Yeah, the Sixers did not have Ben Simmons. He was out. Uh, it was tied at the half, and then the Blazers just blew him out coming out of the locker room. It wasn't even close. The Sixers' three-point shooting was brutal. Seven for twenty-seven from three, with five of those seven coming in the final quarter when the game was already decided. You had a question, you know, Furcon was in there, went one for seven from deep, and Danny Green was one for five. But you were telling me before the show, you didn't understand the choice of Furcon running the point there with Simmons out. Yeah, I mean, Simmons, Simmons is your, your primary ball handler. So taking him out of the game, I understand that he was out because of injury, but why would you put Furcon is one of the poorer ball handlers on the team. If you're going to take Ben Simmons out of the game, you're going to rest him. Shouldn't it be either Shake or Maxi who comes in the game and is is running the point? I would have thought so. Now look, they've they've struggled a little bit lately. Their final box score, Shake put up 12 points, Maxi 15, but you know 11 of Maxi's 15 were in garbage time. Um, I'm more concerned about Seth Curry right now. He, I don't know if it's the recovery from COVID or what it is. But um, he looks to be struggling a little bit. What's your concern level there? Well, you know, I didn't really think of it the way that you, because you had, you had mentioned this to me before the show, and, and I never really thought about the idea of whether or not Curry's just struggling with conditioning at this point because he did go through COVID. I haven't heard that from the team, but it does make sense. I have a little concern. Look, I still think the front office pulled off miracles in the preseason. I, I, I think considering what they were handed, and how quickly they were able to do it. Elton and Maury and, and that staff did a great job with that. But I do have concerns about whether or not 
Green and Curry, at least based on the short body of work that we have, whether or not they're going to be consistent enough to be the other two starters on a championship level team. There's still time for that to happen, but uh, what I'm seeing lately, it concerns me. Um, it doesn't cause me, just like you, it doesn't cause me to say the sky is falling. I mean, look, look what this team has done over the course of the season and especially over the last couple of weeks. And, and so I think that it, it's something they need to look at. And I think that if, if they want to contend, they have to decide whether or not there's a way to tweak the roster just a little bit, maybe to bring in another ball handler and maybe bring in another shooter. I mean, you and I have talked in the past about whether is J.J. Redick an option. Do you? I, I don't know how he's playing this year and whether or not this is a guy that you want, but if, if you can get the J.J. Redick of, of a, just a couple of years ago and he's a guy that comes off the bench, is he the guy that can solidify it? It seems like there's talk about him potentially being available and the Sixers have been mentioned in it. You know, we'll see what they end up deciding to do with the roster. Sixers are back at it again tomorrow night against the Nets. Uh, we'll see how Simmons' health is. Uh, did you hold your breath when Embiid hurt his knee? I, I mean, I know you hold breath. your breath every time he falls to the ground. But. You know, if you if you follow the Sixers since the beginning of, of his career here, remember, he had a lot of injuries, and there was always concern whether or not he was going to hold up. And, and every time he falls, I worry. Um, he seems to be a lot stronger now. He seems to, his conditioning actually seems to have improved, but I always do worry. I, I worry less about the knee, but yeah, that, that moment worried me. I always worry about his back, especially since he seems to, not as much as he used to, but seems to fall and falling on a hardwood floor when you're seven feet tall is not good for your lower back. You know, there's a prop bet for the big game on tomorrow night's game with the Nets. What is it? Fill me in. Joel, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid points versus the Nets minus one point five against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers points scored. Now Embiid's been averaging thirty six points a game. Right. Uh, your thoughts uh, over under one and a half of that of will Tampa Bay where will Tampa Bay end up scoring in the big game? You know, you, you, you love these prop pets and you gave me like a, a list of them and we can go through whichever ones you want. Cause I know how much it, how happy it makes you to go through that in ratings. But I, I, I gotta ask, why would anybody, it says, will Tony Romo correctly predict an offensive play? Well, of course he's going to predict at least one offensive play. Is, is that the prop bet? That is a prop bet. There are odds on whether or not he will. It's more of a money line. I, I don't, it's funny, when I was, back in my days when I was betting, I never did prop bets. I would just do straight gambling, and that was a big enough problem for me, to be honest. But <laughs> the prop bets kind of make me laugh in terms of what options are out there, you know, uh, over under on the number of commercials featuring a dog, Jeff. That, that is actually something that you can bet on. I, I found it uh, interesting. There's an over under on how many uh, players throw a pass. So that's the question of whether they run a Philly special or a flea flicker instead of the two quarterbacks or if somebody gets hurt, there's your over under there. So lots of different ones. I'm more interested in the game. We got Tom Brady in his 10th Super Bowl going for his seventh win. Uh, as we said last week, he basically got more wins in the playoffs than the majority of the teams in the NFL. I think all except for four. Then you got Patrick Mahomes trying to win back to back Super Bowls for the first time since Brady did it 
when he was with the Patriots. You know, Mahomes has the chance. He won the league MVP in 2018. He was the Super Bowl MVP in 2019. You know, depending on how the game goes, he's got a shot at both of those this year. Uh, so, I mean, the quarterback matchup is what's going to get all the attention. It's the coordinators and, and their kind of game plans against each other that fascinate me. you got Bowles and um, you got Biennemi and Reed on the other side. So lots to, to definitely look at there. You got any thoughts on the game? Well, what are you going to ask me about the cannon? That's I think the, right. I think the game's going to be there. Will be the game... there will be no cannon, Jeff. That has Which... been decided. So Tampa is the first home team in NFL history to play in their home stadium, despite the fact that there won't be the fans there. And but there will be at least twenty-five thousand fans there. You think more. But Tampa apparently is superstitious, so they're going with the white road jerseys at home because uh, the team wearing white has won 13 of the last 16 Super Bowls. So and they're I'm going with that. You, but the, the thing that the thing that I would want to have seen. Look, this is going to be a great game. I really do think this will be one of the better Super Bowls. I think it will be close. I think it's going to be high scoring. The question is whether or not Tampa Bay can can keep up with Kansas City. But it would have been nice if they were wearing those creamsicle jerseys. <laughs> right I mean, what you definitely on. would have liked to have seen i know yeah, you would have right. liked to have but seen can, that can we get back to locally for a minute what we were talking about before we talked to coach johnson sure with the carson wentz stuff are you starting to come around to my side that that carson wentz is just thin-skinned yeah i mean clearly he's got issues with more than just the coaching staff it seems like it's with the whole organization um does it sound like it's, it's with, the, with the city now, too? I don't know. I haven't heard him talk, which, as a comms person, puzzles me. Because when you don't talk, then the narrative runs away with itself. And he can say he doesn't care and pay attention to it. But you know that it's getting back to him what people are saying. And it can't make him happy. It doesn't make sense to me that, that every day there seems to be another story about, you know, him in the locker room and him having thin skin and all of these other things. And for some reason, he's not talking. And I don't see what the upside is for him not talking. I'm not saying that he has to give an extensive 60 minutes interview, but I don't understand why he's not coming out and talk. And he, as you said, as, as a comms guy that you are, like wh why in the world is he not out trying to create the narrative? Well, that's the problem. When you don't create the narrative, somebody else does. And now the narrative is he's been pampered and is entitled. And because the organization treated him with kid gloves, he's not manageable now. And if you read the stories, you know, he would change plays that Doug would call, uh, other challenges. And, and look, people were critical. This stuff came out during the last two years about his leadership and his relationships in the locker room. People were critical of the sources at the time, but this is now a narrative that surrounds him. Have we seen a player fall from grace as fast as he has in the city? I don't know, but here, well, maybe Terrell Owens. But I, what I don't understand is by, by allowing this narrative to go on, he's also hurting his ability to go somewhere else. If that is his goal, what he's got to get out there and look like a leader, look like somebody, especially do a better press conference than than the coach of the Eagles gave last week, but he needs to be out there. You're never gonna, you're never gonna get over that. 
Uh, no, I am not going to get over it, but uh, it's okay <laughs> with me. I, I, what I, but I don't understand why he's putting himself in a position that the first thing that any team that's looking at him is going to want to know is they're going to want to talk to him. It's no longer going to be about talking to the organization. He's got to be able to answer these questions now that maybe he wouldn't have to answer so succinctly if he had done it before. It seems like he's trying to force himself out. I mean, his contract, obviously, you know, their plans were to, you know, have his extension kick in and then renegotiate it down, save money on his deal. But now, I mean, their only option if they trade him is to avoid paying the $25 million bonus from Jeffrey. They're still going to owe him $33.8 million on the cap. And if they don't do it before March 19th, there's even more money guaranteed. So whatever's going to happen is going to happen pretty soon if it is. They're going to tra- they're going to end up likely trading their franchise quarterback for like a fifth round pick. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they move him if that's the case. Well, then what do you um, think they're going to get? They're not getting a first round pick. I'd be surprised if they got a first. I, I think it'll be third, conditional second, something like that. I mean, he's pennies on the dollar. He's probably at his lowest value that he's had any time in his career right now. He's coming right, off of well, injuries. His confidence is shot. Well, Jason, it's almost time to wrap this puppy up. So why don't, why don't you tell us, what are your last thoughts of the week? Uh, go football. I'm ready to watch a good game on Sunday. For go Kyle, right? football. For That's your answer. Yep. So do you have a pick? Quick? Uh, I think the Chiefs win the game. Yeah? What's the score? Oh, I think it's kind of a shootout, actually. I think it's 35-28. All right. That's got to be the last word. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week.